You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 64. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. And I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And this week we are reviewing Donny Cates' Crossover Volume 1, which is the first six issues. And spoiler warning, this is a review show, so if you have not had a chance to read Volume 1 of Crossover... And it is a lot of fun. So uh, you might want to pause this and come back later because uh, we're ruining all of it. Um, before we jump into any news and reviews, we kind of wanted to have a chat with you, Mr. Listener and Mrs. Listener, um, or inclusive, they. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so including everybody, they, he, she, you name it, whoever's listening to us right now, we kind of just want to be all inclusive. Aliens. Um, Dogs, cats, birds, Super, superheroes, one-eyed, one-eared, flying purple people, eaters, everybody. It's <laughs> fucking throwing me off now. Like, um, anyway, like we kind of wanted you to grab a cup of brew, you know, grab a coffee, grab a grab a tea, grab a beer, you know, do what you got to do, smoke your cigarette, have a little chat with us for a minute. Well, the chat is kind of between me and Jasmine. You just pretend you're joining in. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> We kind of wanted to talk to you about Geeks Unleashed, so don't worry, we're not going anywhere. But yeah. we've um, been doing this over a year now. It's been a long time. Yep. Um, we've, we've picked up a few things along the way. We've kind of, in the last six, eight weeks, we've been kind of dropping things and changing things. Mm-hmm. And we kind of wanted to have a talk to you about why we're doing it and what we're doing. And we're going to tease you with some things as well. Um we're going to tell you what we've ditched. What's the first thing we ditched, Jasmine? We got rid of the recommendations. So at the end of every episode, we had recommendations. We realized after a while we'd made a rod for our own back. It was like a third <laughs> third review. Yes. Uh, and sometimes I didn't have anything to recommend. <laughs> yeah, so. because like it was always something like, hey, what else did you do this week that we're not covering on the podcast? But then we yeah. started to get busier and realized like, well, I mean, I didn't really do anything else this week to recommend. <laughs> So with work, lives, mm-hmm. friends, family, and also having two things to review every week and news, we were like, crap. And I think yeah. I just said to Jasmine one day, can we just drop this recommendation thing? And the recommendation thing happened by accident. We'd never planned to have the recommendations. We just we just had them. But I like, think at the very beginning, it's because we were really excited. So yeah, we would pick yeah. we would pick the two things that we were talking about. But we were also like, oh, we should have done this. And yeah, yeah, that, I guess it was like having our own corner of the show. Um, right, right. So, but we've kind of built in sometimes that when we have a bit of our intro chat, like, mm-hmm. oh, what'd you do this week? But we prefer that because actually the recommendation is what did you like? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to recommend something. But this week, if I, I want to say, for instance, you know, I watched a movie earlier today on Netflix, which I did. I watched a serial killer uh, documentary, which I've forgotten the name of. Oh, was it the one about Ireland? The tape one, the tapes. Um, oh, no. Uh, Oh, crap, that's going to annoy me. But anyway, I watched it today. Uh, would I recommend it? Um, only if you like serial killers. Um, but, <laughs> I, I, you know, did I enjoy watching it? Um, I found it interesting, but it's a lot of... Actually, they didn't really show too many horrible things, but they did have a particular moment in there which I found very disturbing. Well, actually, there were several disturbing moments in there, but one particular that really 
was uncomfortable with me. Um, but would I recommend it? I'm not sure. It would depend on the listener. If you're okay with horrible serial killer type stuff, yeah, go watch it. But if you like <laughs> My Little Pony, for all those true it. crime fans, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that's kind of why we dropped it. We thought actually, what we can do is more in the intro. How's your week been? We can say, How's your week been? Did you do anything extra? It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be new, new. It doesn't have to be TV or movies. It could be I went to a museum. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe when we're all allowed out. Well, yeah. we're, slow. We're, we're, we're all slowly being allowed out. Anyway, the other thing we ditched, or you may have noticed that we we have been ditching, uh-huh. is, God, Jasmine. Oh, two reviews an episode. Yeah. That was so, a lot of work, guys. I mean, that was a lot of homework for us. So what, how, how the show the concept how, how this show was conceived and con- like the before we ever had our first episode was i used to listen to a podcast which is finished um it's two english girls it's called seriously and it had no vowels in it um and i really liked the style of it three they used to do three reviews um and they kept them quite short and it was all within an hour i liked the style of it um now those two girls at the time i believe were working in media working in in the sort of the pop culture entertainment industry. So they probably were reading and watching things as part of their job. So that made doing a podcast for them probably a lot easier than it is for us who have full-time jobs. Yes. So that's kind of what the inspiration for Geeks Unleashed was in terms of <clears throat> the format. Um, we didn't re- we don't review the same type of things that they review. Sometimes they used to review things like the Great British Bake Off, which I would never even watch. Um, <laughs> so, but I liked the format of three things an episode. So I was like, actually, that's quite nice. It's kind of three different things, you know. Like, and for, and for our interpretation of it, it was anime, comics you know whatever um and then as life happened like jasmine <laughs> said it became very very hard to do two things a week now we're oh, not yeah, like if to- we're doing a, a season of a show on netflix and a graphic novel it's like god seven episodes of tv to watch plus six issues of a comic to read in the same week so, so it kind of changed around sweet tooth so we did we did um, initially. Jasmine was like, "Well, you want me to read how many?" But actually, we read them. I read all of them within like an hour. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, like, easy read. It was actually, yeah, again, it was because it was an easy read. Yeah. And then the following week, we did the TV show, and we're like, actually, we said to each other, "We like this," but mm-hmm. also because we're just concentrating on one thing, we're able to sort of get underneath the skin of it a little bit more, have a deeper conversation. Yeah, like, I don't know about the listeners, but I definitely feel like the conversations have gotten better since we did that. Yeah, but we're not cramming like when we did the Castlevania, we felt like we were really cramming in a whole season into a 20 minute review Mm -hmm. where now we can maybe have an hour, an hour, maybe sometimes 50 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, which actually is a lot more entertaining. But also because of the format, it's allowed us to have a few more guests come on. Mm-hmm. So, um, because we're not making them go and do two reviews. We're like, yeah. look, do you want to jump on and do Black Widow? Yep, I want to do Black Widow. Like, so brilliant, you know. So that's I think that's kind of quite nice. So yeah. um, so anyway, that's what we that's why we stopped. Now doesn't mean that we've stopped everything. So uh kind of wanted to talk you through what we're doing, what the new format's gonna look like. And uh, going to tease you with something. So, um, <laughs> so what? What uh, we're not going to call this show Geeks Unleashed Weekly or GU Weekly, but this is kind of how I view it: is Geeks Unleashed Weekly in my mind. So, first three weeks of each month, or four weeks if it's a five-week month, will be 
news of the week that's not going anywhere we're still keeping the news we love the news also me and jasmine just love to catch up and chat yeah. shit and, you know. um but then we're going to have our one review so that's going to be something again graphic novel may we keep threatening to do video games but you never know um we'll definitely be doing horizon zero dawn 2 like 100 <laughs> so um yeah graphic novels tv we'll do a whole tv show like when we used to do tv shows before it was like three episodes but we'll do like a whole one when i say a whole one we're not going to do 27 episodes of Grey's anatomy um you know season 19 don't yeah. worry season know. 38 <laughs> um we're going to be keeping it within our in our realms of pop culture you know like you might i don't know stargirl season two or whatever it is i'm just spitballing here um so we're going to do yeah like sweet tooth and um we're going to just concentrate on that so that's kind of how we're doing it. But then our last week of the month, we're kind of going to make that like our conversation episode. Now that might sometimes be just an interview or a conversation with someone, or it might be that we do a bit of a collaboration, which we've got an idea for October of a five or six way conversation on a particular subject. So we might invite a few people on. It could be that we do a five or six person type review, but it's going to be our collaborative episode. The conversations are going to be you know, interviews, but they've got a conversation or two. So, um, and we've got a really cool one coming up next week that you're going to enjoy listening with one of our favorite YouTubers. So um, stay tuned for that at the end of this episode, as we'll tell you who they are. Um, however, we are also working on something in the background. Uh, we're not going to tell you now, but it's a secret. It is a secret. Uh, it's not going to be a secret for long. Like, yeah. <laughs> In about 10 to 15 days, we might tell you about it. So <laughs> stay tuned. And uh, But we're really excited. We're working on it in the background. Uh, we're going to carry on working on it. And uh, we're gonna, when it's ready, it's going to be a deeper, deeper conversation, shall we say. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> uh, but what, what's one thing that's not going to change, Jasmine? Listen, um, whether he's listening or not, we're not giving up Stephen Fox, okay? Yeah, Stephen yeah. is going to continue to come back monthly and hang out with us. And if he refuses, we're going to call his wife and we're going to be like, can we borrow Stephen? You remember when you were a kid and you go like knock on the neighbor's door like, hey, can so-and-so come out to play? We're definitely, we're definitely keeping Stephen around. So don't so, worry, guys. So, so Stephen, who comes on here every now and again, is still hanging out with us. We're not getting mm-hmm. rid of him. He hasn't been on for about a month, so he's due he's a return. Due. He's due a return soon. So don't worry, we'll uh, strong arm, <laughs> strong arm him back in. But yeah. he, he is the uh, official third Geeks Unleashed crew member. So. Yes. Anyway, that's all done, but we kind of wanted to have that conversation with you. So you can put your cigarette out now, go get your coffee yeah. refill as we jump into this week's versus. versus. So Star-Lord versus Star-Lord. And when we're talking Star-Lord versus Star-Lord, we're talking Chris Pratt Star-Lord versus, uh, well, Peter Quill, Peter Quill uh, Star-Lord uh, versus the What Ifs T'Challa. T'Challa. So, oh, what, yeah. what, like, so I know you caught up with what if this week. Uh, we won't talk about the episodes per se right now because we're going to do that another time. But what were your impressions of T'Challa versus Peter Quill? Uh, at first, I was, I was like, well, this will be interesting to see um, because I, but I didn't expect the T'Challa version of Star Lord to be so like sweet and charming. Um, so I was, I mean, I, I loved it. Like, I mean, so I definitely voted for T'Challa Star-Lord because I liked the world that he was in as well. So, I mean, that's kind of cheating, but like anybody that can make 
Thanos like smile? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think uh, you're okay in my book. I definitely preferred the T'Challa um, Star Lord. I would vote for him. However, my only concern would be that world is what the fuck happened to Captain America <laughs> Thor, um, and what is going to happen now? Ego's rocked up. So I think what they're trying to say is just okay. T'Challa was an overall nice guy. He's managed to do a lot of good. However, I think we need Peter Quill. <laughs> and it could be that we need Peter Quill because we needed T'Challa back on Earth. So I mean, but if need... you really want to get technical, it's Peter Quill's fault that Thanos got to snap in the first place. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect. That honestly, that bit is the worst part. However, if you didn't get that, you didn't get Infinity War and Endgame. Well, you didn't finish Infinity War and Endgame. Anyway, so in terms of this week's winner, it was clear from the comments. Yes. That T'Challa was the favorite Star Wars. Oh yeah, our man. our favorite uh, prince and future king of Wakanda was a uh, much better Star Lord than Star Lord himself. So, yeah, that one was almost like a no contest. I mean, it wasn't like a complete landslide, but it was very, very, very one sided. Yeah, it was definitely slam dunk T'Challa's <laughs> favorite. The only thing I'd be concerned about is the future of that world that they're on. So. Uh, I, I don't think Ego showing up to take his son from the uh, flipping takeaway from the Dairy place. Queen, yeah, wherever it was, yeah, the little uh, uh fast food place, yeah, burger yeah. joint, yeah, the fast food place, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, I think he's about to become fast food himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, jumping into this week's news, it's a little bit old, but we didn't talk about it last week. Uh, so Substack James Tinian is leaving Batman and the Joker for Substack essentially. I know you are so bummed about that because every chance you get to talk about Batman books, like you bring up Tinian. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm sorry that you have lost this. So so like on two so I see this in two ways. Like obviously this is good news for Tinian. Like he's getting that he's getting that uh Chibata. <laughs> you know he's getting <laughs> as our as our boys at paperbacks and soundtracks love to call it is he's getting the cash. So I imagine being in his shoes right now must be brilliant. Like he, he was, so here's actually his um, uh, quote. So from his newsletter, I was trying to make one of the most difficult decisions of my professional life. DC had presented me with a three year renewal of my exclusive contract with the intent of me working on Batman for the bulk of that time. I was grateful for the offer, but I couldn't help but look at the success of my creator owned titles and wonder if it was the right choice. And then I received another contract. The best I've ever been given in a decade as a professional comic book writer a grant from substack to create a slate of original comic book properties directly on their platform that my co-creators and i would own completely with substack taking none of the intellectual property rights or even publishing rights given my bandwidth i knew i could only pick one of two sitting in front of me um so i mean let's be honest there's a couple of things here substack I mean, let's talk about the two offers. He's given two offers. One of them is to write work for DC, who will get the lion's share of anything he creates. Mm-hmm. This, you know, when he creates new creates uh, new characters that potentially could be used in movies or TV shows. From what we're all very aware, how badly creators get paid from their work or characters being used in media. Um, yes, okay, you might get, but you get the audience. Yeah, I, I mean, you do get an audience, and let's be honest, most people writing Batman would probably never want to leave. Um, same with things like Spider Man, and, and you know, those are big, those are big titles to sit on the recognizability, 
I, I get that. And having a contract put in place in front of you where James Tinian right now is one of the most highest profile writers in the comic book industry right now. I mean, he's not the only one, but he's one of at least 10 high profile writers. And to be sitting in front of a contract where you've been given two and Substack are going to pay you more. I can see why he went for it. You know, yeah. like he's got the option between the two and, you know, let's be honest, he's, he's a man, like, you know, he's not a machine. He knows what he's capable of. So he's like, okay, look, I'm going to go with Substack because Substack are going to give me more cash. And also the deal here, the Substack will take zero cut. Like that is crazy to me. Well, like, not zero cut. They won't take any of the characters. Like they will have no ownership of whatever yeah, yeah, he yeah. puts on Substack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but also they won't have any future property rights or publishing rights. Mm -hmm. So if he takes that medium to Netflix or Amazon or HBO or whatever, wherever he goes with it, they don't get cut, which is crazy. That's what I meant, like future cut. Yeah. Um, So I think that was probably a little bit silly of them, like to not put, because obviously they're giving him a grant. And obviously they'll get some income via via their platform. Right. So because obviously that's they're not going to do it for free. They're not charity. Um, but they're hoping that more people will come to their platform. And hopefully, I'm assuming what they're hoping is more people will come to their platform and think if I'm signing up for Tinny and I'm also signing up for I don't know, like you, you said you purchase a Substack subscription. So you I know, do. like yeah, mm-hmm. so it, you know, with um But it's uh, journalism, it's a journalism subscription, right. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, there's other people go to that platform. When you go to your journalism one, do you, do you ever see other people's as well and think, you know? I'm- no, because the way that it, well, the way that this one in particular works is I signed up through her directly. Um, she yeah. had, like, the Substack link and everything on her website. And it comes to my email as a newsletter. I don't have to go to, go to Substack at all. So it comes to me every time she releases a new issue. So- um, it's, it's, it's To me, it's like a it's like an amalgamation of both Kickstarter and Patreon because you buy into it, but you can also buy into the Substack stuff at like levels. So if, if you're paying and you're paying this much, then, you know, you get access to exclusive content and this, this writer in particular, she does like book clubs. And if, if you do, if you do the book club, then, you know, you get to go to a zoom with everybody else. And she has like weekly chat sessions and and that kind of stuff. So you get to be a little bit more interactive. She has like a free version as well. Um, Obviously the free version doesn't have access to those things. So it's, it's like, you're buying into the exclusivity of it. But to me, it feels like Kickstarter, like Kickstarter is just the platform for you to be able to get your product out there to people. Um, and once like once it's done, then it's it's your responsibility to keep people. It's not Substack's responsibility to keep your viewership. So I think that it makes sense uh, like from a Substack point of view because you're interested in in the upfront everything that comes with it. And as far as retention, that retention is the individual user's problem. I think or I the think creator's my, problem rather. I, I think my only problem with this is so he'll be creating creator own content and uh-huh. um However, there's other creators that have also announced like um, Hickman's going on there and um, other people. But if you think about it, you know, people are fans of Tinian, but they're probably, mm-hmm. you know, they could probably fans of Hickman and other people, you know. So if you're paying, so Tinian said the basic ground level is $7. So $7 a month, that is. And if you're paying $7 a month for just Tinian, but you're also a fan of three or four other creators, suddenly you're looking at $40 or $50 a month. Mm-hmm. Um and that adds up. So 
And the other trouble with that is if you paid your $7 a month and Tinian's busy that month and he can't send you anything, you've just paid $7 a month for nothing. Uh, and my problem with a lot of this is I don't see a future for this comics in Substack. Like, I just don't because you're paying for a newsletter and maybe some work if they've got round to it, like, or, and how regularly is this work going to come out? Like if it's a six issue mini series that he's mm-hmm. putting out, what happens after month six? Like, well, and- but, but if, if he owns the rights to these things, then he can try to option those rights to someone else, right? Like he's done his six month exclusive oh, no, Substack no. run. Then he can take his property and shop it around and say, Hey, image, Hey, no, you want to no. buy into this? No, but what I'm saying is that's great for him, but as a as yes. a as the person, the customer, I well, I'm saying like if you if I'm a fan of Tinian, which I am, I love I love Batman, I love something that's killing the children. I, just, I haven't unfortunately gone and picked up his a couple of other things like Department of Truth and um Nice House on the Lake, which are things I do want to read. But if you're a fan of his work like that, which I am, do I want to jump on to paying $7 a month for essentially a newsletter and a PDF. No, not really. Like I'd rather pay $7 a month and go and get caught up on the de- uh, Department of Truth and actually have the physical product on my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't particularly see a future of this. But the other thing is Substack don't have a reader. Like they don't have a comic book reader, like Comicology have an app. Right. Uh, so that's where I see a bit of a downside for this. Do you want a newsletter PDF or how- I don't know if it is going to be a PDF. Is yeah, but if gonna- you think about it that way, a PDF is universal. I don't have to download shit. Like it, it requires zero work on my part. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but I, I, I think where Substack's missing the whole thing of this is I'm a collector as well as a fan. Mm-hmm. I like to have the physical item. I know not everybody does, but also if you think about it, with it, with, with certain comics popularity and not even necessarily if it's gone up in value. Sometimes you can just resell your comic for the same price you bloody bought it for. I can't resell a PDF. So uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm seeing his point of view. He's had a fantastic scrum contract put in front of him from Substack. So good on him for taking it and good on him for being gutsy enough to say I'm dropping Batman and the Joker and good on him for taking that money there because I'm sure as sure as fire anything Substack this Substack grant money isn't going to be there forever for these comic book creators so good on them for taking it now well yeah grant Uh, is one and done but okay so let me ask you if you ever uh contribute to a kickstarter do you always opt for paying more money for the physical things uh so when kickstarter first came around i used to always do the physical uh-huh. uh i probably a handful of no i want to say like once or twice did i just do the pdf mm-hmm. um because it was someone i was a fan of but that was a one-off payment i didn't have to do a monthly contribution right. so i would definitely not be a fan of a monthly contribution no, not at all for for digital so, yeah for digital no i wouldn't want to sign up something where i'm getting a digital thing for seven dollars a month that's not, not something i see myself doing I could see myself paying $7 a month for maybe a creator where the medium is audio or visual or something like that. Like, well, you know, like a, like a podcast, I could see myself <laughs> kicking in, kicking in for that, but yeah. I wouldn't be overly a fan of kicking in for a PDF, especially when I know that eventually these things are going to get printed. And if I, you know, I'd rather just go and buy the book. So that's my thoughts. 
Yes, okay. So the Batman thing. So Batman, his final issue is 117 in November. And the Joker, his final issue is issue 14 in April. Um, he's got no other plans for other superhero stuff. He's literally just going completely indie, which is, which is I mean, if you look at the success of people like Robert Kirkman, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame him for taking this deal. I'm just saying I'm not particularly a fan of the PDF and this subscription model, especially if I like different creators like which I do, I don't really want to jump onto this subscription service. I've got enough subscriptions going on like, without signing up for individuals. Well, imagine yeah. if Netflix said, right, okay, we're going to stop doing monthly subscription to the whole of Netflix. What you can do is sign up for the directors that you like instead. Imagine that. Like, so you just, you could only see parts of Netflix just for the directors you like. Netflix is tiered though. Like you can't, I, like <laughs> you can choose not to pay for HD. You can choose not I to mean, pay for other users. So no, but like, no, it's not tiered as in content restriction though. Like, I mean, you can pay for the ground level and you still get the whole, all the content that's available. In your uh, region. Well, yeah, yeah, in your region. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's a different <laughs> conversation. Okay, look, okay, let's just focus on your region in America. I'm just saying hypothetically, if they said, yeah. right, we're going to change the model that now you just pay per director, yes, in your region, like you're going to pay now, rather than $7 a month for the whole thing, you're just going to pay $7 a month for the directors that you like. Uh, not for Netflix, but I do pay for three different anime services because I cannot get everything that I want on just one so do i pay the same amount of money each month for two different services but i'm only watching one tv show on one service but i still pay for it every month yes i do yeah i i no i I meant more like if they broke it up because obviously each one of those anime services though you probably have multiple tv shows and movies within them i'm assuming but it's it's the same principle like i literally have high dive because i needed to watch a season of haikyuu that i could not get on funimation or crunchyroll and i was like well shit i gotta get high dive too so i can watch this one show yeah but then you probably canceled it after you've watched it well i mean i didn't i could i could have but but i did i i paid into a service for one specific thing and i don't use that service for anything else Okay, well, I would have cancelled it. I would if I had to. Do it for, <laughs> if I had to do it for that one particular thing, I would have cancelled it after I watched it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I just not... to play d- devil's advocate. It makes sense to me. I think like if you're going to leave the bread and butter, like if you're going to leave the big two, someone has to. There has to be some kind of something to compensate for the salary that you're losing for having been with such a big publisher. So the only way to make up for that is some sort of subscription model i just can't see me like wanting to sign up for multiple creators that's yeah. where i don't see it I... working well for this industry i think no. subsec is a good fit for a lot of other things but i don't necessarily know that it's going to be good for comics no i agree yeah so let's leave that there um but that was a good conversation about Substack and our different thoughts i i i'm pro digital for tv um i actually don't know if i'm pro digital for music i think the convenience of it's good but i've actually recently been reflecting on this like i don't know if you about you but when you were younger (laughs) when you when you were a little kid like no i remember when i was like 10 or something having a walkman and tapes oh yeah yeah 
And like, I used to love the idea of just getting an album and like rinsing that album to death and knowing every yep. single, every single. I used to word. sit there and read the lyrics in the cover while yeah, the yeah, CD yeah. was playing. Yes. Like, I remember like Green Day Dookie. I knew every flipping word to yeah. every song in that album. And like, yeah. you know, I used to like oh, just Michael Jackson tapes. I used to have Green Day tapes. I used to have bloody i bloody had the day dancing soundtrack like you know like and it was great also you could just take the radio if you really wanted like the top 40 oh um, man like, tape it on the radio like, oh wow but what i'm saying is you you can because of that because the thing with digital music is there's just so much of it yeah i, I honestly get lost now like so i have been i'm, I'm not going to go back to tapes um but you know i used to love mi- my mini disc player like i i was never a, i never had a portable cd player but i had a mini disc player and a tape player but what, what i'm trying to say is i don't like the digital format with music because i just think there's way too much of it and it doesn't allow you to actually get into the album and into the lyrics uh, because it's just it's just so much of it um I used to have a record player in my bedroom, like, and that's something I've been thinking about getting back into is getting vinyl again. Yeah. I've been thinking about stepping away from the music subscription that I have. And um, I don't, by the way, when I say music subscription, I tend to only do the deals. So I did like the one I'm on at the moment is where I paid £10 for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally then I end it and then I wait for the next deal. Um, <laughs> but I, but, but, um, but I, I love I, I actually really want to go back to like vinyl and just actually having albums and just mm-hmm. getting back into it. And but with TV and movies, I honestly don't care about digital. I am not interested in owning endless amounts of DVD and Blu-ray box sets. I honestly have no no interest in that at all. I used to. I used to have shelves of them, and then yeah. I sold I sold loads of them, and I was like, actually, do you know what? Netflix, Amazon whatever we've got other things over here like um sky now and stuff like that that you can watch anything digital but i'm i'm not interested in owning box sets it's not for me not anymore but but comics is the one thing that i'm very anti-digital like i like to have a physical copy i will read digital even for things like mainly for reviews mm-hmm. um but i i like to have the physical thing in my hand uh, that's probably the only that's probably the only old school thing i've kept is is having an having a paper copy yeah uh, whether well, that's i'm the same way thing. i like books i i keep a ton of books like novels and most recently i've started reading manga um so i love books i don't see myself not buying physical books anymore now of course i still put stuff on my kindle but like the stuff that I put on my Kindle is the stuff that I'm taking a chance on, right? Like this, this digital book is $2.99, like for, for three bucks. Like if I don't like it, I don't feel like I've lost anything versus spending $25 on a hard copy book. Well, my, um, my daughter, so, I was going to say my daughter um, had to read a book the other day for school and it was five pound for the paperback and one pound for the Kindle ebook. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'm paying a pound. I was like, All right. I was like, here's my Kindle. Like, just read the book. Yeah. She did moan the whole way through because it was the first book she'd ever read digitally. Yeah. And I and she was like, I prefer paperback. I was like, yeah, but I wasn't paying five pound for the paperback when I paid a pound for the digital, considering you'll never read it again as it's right. school. Um, and she actually hated the whole book the whole way through. I was like, well, I'm glad I definitely didn't get paperback. So anyway, we'll we'll bring our digital versus conversation <laughs> to an end i think we've all got to be honest everyone's got different views on paperbacks on, oh on, yeah i mean like blue, I, i'm digital everything and... else like everything else i'm totally fine with digital but like my books i don't want to get rid of my books oh yeah no to be honest i'm 
slowly reducing my single issues, monthly comic issues. And I mean, recently managed to get a hard copy of first 20 issues of Saga and the first 30 issues of Why the Last Man. And I'm actually really liking the fact that I've got some nice hardbacks of some of these graphic novels. And mm-hmm. I think I could see myself diving into the graphic novel world a little bit more. So anyway. All right. So moving on, we've got some HBO news coming in. So earlier this year, HBO, uh, surprising to a lot of people, canceled Lovecraft Country after just one season. And then, of course, the Emmy nominations came out and Lovecraft Country picked up 13 Emmy nominations. So, hey, go figure. Um, But... Misha Green, who was the producer and showrunner for Lovecraft Country, is working on a Black Canary film with Journey Smollett uh, for HBO. So we could be getting a follow-up film um, to Birds of Prey, starring one of the Birds of Prey characters. So I'm excited because I really, really liked her canary in that movie. Um, Journey has now uh, confirmed it on Twitter as well. So she has said the cat's out of the bag, basically. So yeah. Uh, it's definitely happening. The only thing I'm disappointed is it's going on HBO Max, so no theater release. I think that could be in their favor. I mean, I, if if you know if it comes down to like, here's the deal: we're gonna make a movie, but we're only gonna make this movie if we can release digital instead of a theatrical release. Like, I'm well. Again, I you know I have a, access to HBO Max, but like. I would rather them make the movie than not make the movie. Well, if, yeah, if that was the bottom yeah, yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. If it's okay, you can only make it if it goes on HBO Max. Well, yeah. I'd, yeah. Well, I'm glad they're making it. Like, I, I 100%. Like, if it was HBO Max or No Deal, then yeah, make the movie. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, why not just even stick it in a two week release only, like, you know, limited theatrical release? Maybe, yeah. Or maybe they will. Maybe they will do it. Maybe they well, will. Well, yeah. They did that with Wonder Woman where it was on HBO Max for 30 days and then it was exclusive to movie theaters after that. And then at 30 day, 60 days after that, it was back to HBO Max or something like that. Uh, I was thinking like, and I know it was terrible, but the Inhumans TV show from H- uh, ABC, <laughs> but they but they released the two hour pilot in some cinemas for like two weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, so maybe, you know, Black Canary, why don't just stick it in cinemas for like say two weeks if you are just trying to push HBO Max. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, release it at the same time, put it on HBO Max, but also say, look, theatres get limited to week release and it's up to you, you choose. So I'm just saying, like, I I, I prefer my superheroes on the big screen. <laughs> so yeah. by, the t- by, the t- by the time this comes out, you know, we'll hopefully all be back out again, breathing the same air. <sighs> I don't know. Doing That remains to be seen. I can't stay at home forever. <laughs> well, it's pretty much all back open again now here. Thank God. So, um, anyway, we won't talk about COVID. Uh, we will, in fact, stop talking about this and we will be back in a moment. Let's get nerdy, everybody. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And together we are the Nerd Byword, your podcast guide through the nerd multiverse. Our podcast takes deep dives into all sorts of nerdy content. We talk about comic books, video games, movies, TV, and pop culture. Want to know about the latest nerdy news? We've got you covered. Want to get recommendations about new or obscure media that will fill your nerdy heart with happiness? You've come to the right place. And in our Nerd Big Talk segment, we go deep as we take on some of the biggest questions in nerddom. All that and exclusive interviews with heavy hitters in the nerd world. Join us on the Nerd Byword wherever you get your podcasts at nerdbyword.com. Stay well and stay nerdy. 
And we're back. So welcome to our review part of the show, where we are reviewing Crossover Volume 1, Kids Love Chains, which is issues 1 to 6. The graphic novel was actually released, uh, collected on the 1st of June this year. It's written by Donny Cates, and the art by is art, the art is by Jeff Shaw, D. Cuniff, and John Hill. And it stars a variety of new characters, and some characters that you may already know. Quite so, a few that you may be familiar with. It's uh, published by Image Comics, so <laughs> some of these other characters may be more associated with other Image Comics characters, but we'll, don't, we'll jump don't. into that. So Crossover, in summary, is kind of like every fanboy's dream of seeing of, of yourself injected into a medium and interacting with characters that you like. And there's a big event that happens, and the and the we cover that in the first issue. There's an event that happens in the real world, which pulls um, fictional characters in. And although Donny Cates references characters like Superman, obviously we don't see any Marvel or DC characters. Unfortunately, um, and they they do a really good job of referencing people like Doctor Strange and Superman and stuff mm. like that, but. I mean, what does they reference in they they use the name Superman Doctor yeah. Strange and even even there's a point in the in the issue we'll we'll talk about it talk about that particular character later but there's they do a drawing which everybody could assume is, <laughs> is a is a is a is a way of them kind of like yeah yeah Superman but it yeah we Superman. get it we get it the uh, dude with the cape uh, that guy yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um so without trying to summarize too much more what did, what were your sort of um initial impressions of um volume one okay so like before i jump into that me and my friends used to play this game with each other all the time like it would always start off with what would you do if what would you do if you're walking down the street and like all of a sudden the ghostbusters appeared in front of you like we random stuff like that oh i used to do that like oh my god what would you do if zombies came out of the ground Like, like, like when we were like like when we were kids we'd um so my parents have got a caravan, like one of those static caravans, probably heard me mention it um, before. Um, and we'd like, <laughs> like me and my brother and some of our friends would be allowed to hang outside the caravan late at night. Like, because even- <laughs> like, sounds like, like trouble. No, no, like, well, because it, it was right outside the caravan. So our parents could kind of like open the curtain occasionally and check we were outside, even at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, even when we were like- 14 or something like that because you know it's it was like a holiday home and yeah and so we obviously when you're like 13 14 you know, you know you're not talking about when you went out drinking you're like you say you're talking about stupid <laughs> stuff like yeah. oh would you what? it was but it was always like what would you do if like what would yeah. you do if? Like, yeah. but yeah no sorry i'm jumping on your story but we no but that's what this book reminds me of this this book is literally it literally felt like playing that game with my friends it's like what'd you do if like you're just walking through downtown and all of a sudden a freaking portal opened up and every freaking superhero <laughs> you've ever known comes through this portal like, what? Do, do you know what it made me think of um was last action hero yes um, i Arnold love last action hero yeah it may i thought about it more towards the end of the the six issue arc um so but no for me i, I thought this six issues actually was actually really well written i thought donny kate so i've heard him in other interviews talk about being a fan of comics mm-hmm. and now being a writer of comics and i've seen him post 
tweets on, online and stuff like that where he's like you know years ago i'd be working somewhere and reading reading comics of x1z and now i'm working with x1z and i'm mm-hmm. like so for me this felt like the fanboy turned writer has just yeah. created you can i can imagine that he created this concept well before i i, I could very well be wrong but i can imagine that he mentally created this concept well before he became a comic writer oh yeah at least the skeleton for it right like yeah this it it seems like a gigantic love letter to the comics industry is is what this book feels like um that's i mean that those are my initial thoughts but like it immediately it was just fun because it 100 percent plays up to that what if kind of feeling like what if something like this did happen? What if there was a dome over the city where you lived in and you couldn't get out? You know, like yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was that there was that TV show under the dome. Like, and, yeah, um, it got worse every this, season. No, crossover <laughs> was much better than that. <laughs> just, just a side note: how much of that did you watch? Uh, one episode. That was enough. Really? I watched it all. I literally, oh. I watched the whole thing. Mark, like, you all three watch seasons. everything. Do you ever just like quit on something? Like I'm over oh. it. I'm not. I'm oh, done. No, oh, there's a load of shows that are, are stacking up now. <laughs> I'll be honest. I seem to have got really busy this year. I've fallen behind of at least ten shows that I regularly kept up with. Like, and um, yeah, I keep thinking, how am I going to catch up with those? This is actually <laughs> the first year ever, I think, in my life where I actually have fallen behind with so many things. Um, wow, that's so, because you got a but, podcast to keep you yeah, busy now. <laughs> but that, that, that actually could be a big part of it. Yeah. Like, so, um, but I, you know, I, I have been known like to not quit stuff. Yeah. Like, but, but I also equally, like, I've said this to you before, like, I'll watch stuff knowing it's rubbish, but I'm like, but I, but I actually equally enjoy it, but I know it's rubbish. Like, well, I'm... no, that's a different feeling. It's yeah. different to be like, this show is garbage. I cannot wait to watch it. <laughs> Versus like, I hate this show, but I'm going to watch it anyway. But, oh, there was that um, Noah, whatever his name is. Noah Wiley? You know, the guy, yeah, Noah Wiley from ER did that. Yeah. Um, the librarians. No, no, I haven't seen oh. that. The The sci-fi show where the aliens invaded. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. Was it on TNT? Yeah, yeah, TBS? yeah, yeah. It lasted like five years or something. Yeah, that was just got more and more horrendous every season. <laughs> and I, and I was like, but even my wife walk in, see me watching, go, why are you watching this? I'm like, oh, it's so rubbish. Like, but I literally yeah. like. <laughs> But I couldn't wait to tune in each week. I was like, I can't, I can't, I've got to watch it. I've got to watch it. Oh anyway, we, we've, we've, we've gone way off topic. Right. Okay. So, yeah, like I say, this whole thing is like a fanboy's dream, yeah. this whole concept. Like, I mean, how how he pitched this and the the love. He, I think he's only been able to make this work because he's been in the industry quite a while now, Donnie. Yeah. And he's obviously built up a network of relationships with like Jeff Lamar and um, Mark Miller and you know you can see it as, as it's going on and you know Mark Silvestri and everyone he's clearly built a really good relationship with people to be able to make this 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 project work the only way this project was really ever going to work was the ability to be able to pull in known right. branded other people's branded, characters yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously we knew that that was going to be limited like mm-hmm. to indie creations so it was unlikely that he was ever going to get Marvel, DC, or or you know even even people like Valiant Comics. They're not going to stick their their branded characters in the, in this image book. Yeah. But there is enough indie concepts out there that you probably will be able to pull in some characters. Yeah. And we've seen that as we go on. So anyway, what what did you think worked as a uh, throughout this first volume? 
I think that what you just said is exactly what works. Like he's, he's Donny Gates has been around long enough where he is friends with these people and they trusted him enough to lend their characters to this story, you know? And I, I feel like a lot of times when you're creating characters, they're, they're sort of personal to you. So it, the thought of turning them over to someone else is kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. Even if they're just borrowing them for an event. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's probably the the best part is that all the cameos and all of the references, it's none of it is nuanced, but it is very, very specific to comic book fans. Because mm. even if you've never read some of these characters, like I had no idea who Madman was, never heard of Madman before I opened this book. Um, but I I know who chip Zdarsky is i know who robert kirkman is like so when i flip to the pages and they're like oh chip Zdarsky was murdered or oh robert kirkman is still missing and it's just kind of like you get that giggle while you're reading it because you're like <laughs> i know who that is um so like what works is that this is kind of not just image comics but it is kind of like an industry inside joke uh at the same time, that is probably my my beef of what doesn't work because if you are not, like, if you don't read a variety of comics, not just like, oh, you know, I love comics, but I only read Spider Man, but like, if you if you don't read a variety of comics, you're not going to get most of the references in this series at all. At yeah, all. I think um, in terms of what what worked for me actually was Donnie's ability to juggle actually quite a large cast of characters from from the core characters to even the minor characters even to the characters that sort of got one or two scenes mm-hmm. um and i agree with you actually the the concept of this and just throwing in real cool moments like in the sixth issue we we you know the build-up from issue one to right. six is to get inside the dome which is fairly clear from the first page pretty mm-hmm. much um so they do in issue six get into the dome so just to cover that off what happened was when the all the comic book characters broke into the real world um there was a bigger all-out fight between the humans of 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 the earth that they're in and the superheroes and one of the superheroes decided to put a dome over the superheroes to protect them uh and some were outside the dome some were inside but in within that dome there's also humans etc but anyway so what i thought was a really cool moment was when they got into the dome just to see like savage dragon fighting witchblade i was like that is, <laughs> i thought that is a pretty cool moment i was yeah. just like yeah like i like that so i thought and yeah in terms of what worked it was just juggling that many characters but also throwing in sort of the surprise moments like that yeah um in terms but that of was, that was really fun though like the the whole uh, also the inside jokes to me were really great like when when the newscaster says something about chip zadarsky still you know being murdered or whatever oh uh, yeah brian k vaughn brian k vaughn yeah brian k vaughn got murdered sorry yeah, yeah. sorry and, sorry uh, chip uh but chip zadarsky is still missing supposedly chip, yeah was it yeah. chip zadarsky uh, yeah. scott snyder and robert kirkman and miss it right <laughs> but it was just funny because it's like the auto who's one of the main characters in the book he's the owner of the comic shop that ends up getting blown up in the first uh first episode first episode first first issue um but he like anytime someone mentions <laughs> brian came on and they say oh he was a writer for marvel <laughs> and Otto gets so pissed and he's like do you only remember him writing on marvel what about all the other stuff that he's written and i just thought that was so funny because like every time i think of brian came on i clearly think saga 
which is an image book but it's just it's hilarious the 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 amount of inside jokes like that they have spread throughout this series mm, yeah and no, I, I agree yeah i think probably my only real criticism of the book would be I would say it's worse in the first three issues than the second three issues. So the first three issues, I I, fe- I found the book to be quite wordy. Like there was, mm-hmm. I felt like there was probably a lot of explaining. I would probably say that even bordering on info dumping, like, and actually you almost kind of, he kind of almost puts it like that, like going, you know, let me explain and kind of jumps in, you know, when we, when we jump into the whole good countries uh, characters and the sword, mm-hmm. he goes, right, hold on. And then just jumps into sort of two or three pages of telling you about it. And I get that he has to do that because not everybody who's picked up crossover has read God country has read yeah. um, uh, all the other sort of associated characters that are in there. And um, I, you know, I, was it um the ones i'm thinking of are the paybacks which i'd never even heard of before this i had obviously heard of the variety of others obviously i know who witchblade is i love witchblade i'd had heard of good country but never never read good country mm-hmm. um i have read black hammer uh the first volume i haven't carried on with that clearly i knew who hit girl was like yeah. you know um i did know who madman was but you know but there's a lot of people like you say you didn't know Maban was I didn't know the paybacks were so those kind of information dumps I guess are helpful yeah equally there's just so much there are parts in in this first volume where that gets a bit overwhelming because the characters are talking but also he's talking at the same time so it gets confusing at some parts because you've got all of these thought bubbles and you're like okay I know his thought bubbles are in yellow and they're square and then their yeah. thought bubbles are white, but like there's just there's way too much happening all at once. And so there there, especially I think in like issue two and three, there were definitely a lot of parts where I had to go back and like reread a few pages, like go back a few pages and then kind of mm, yeah, with what I was reading. I, I did read the first three issues twice, actually. So yeah. um, but moving on from that, who who's your favorite character of uh, this first volume? Uh I don't want to say. <laughs> okay, no. So, so Ellie definitely is a is my favorite character. But I really also like Ryan. I like the preacher's son. Which yeah, but but I think terrible, that's deliberate. Though. But like, yeah, I mean, I like him. He's but yeah, who doesn't love a good redemption arc, right? Like, well, know. he's not all. He's not almost there. He's sorry. Yeah. He's not. He's not sorry. He's not. Sorry, he's on the cusp of it by the time Volume One finishes. Right, right. So, but he's he's. Uh, he, I like, I guess I shouldn't say that I, I like him specifically, but like, I like that character because he's just so like, so doofy. Like he's such a doofus kind of just aloof and unaware. And basically he's completely useless. Uh, but I still think like, he's hilarious to me. Like just, he, he just is such like a miss. Well, I don't even know what to say. Like a misfit. That's I get a kick out of him. Just just for comic relief, I guess. So, uh, but as far as like actually a, a character that's actually got to meet, definitely Ellie. I mean, it's it's hard not to like Ellie. Yeah, I I would I would say my favorite character is Ellie. Yeah. I I loved the whole setup of her as mm-hmm. the cosplayer and the setup, the story lost her parents in the and they even do a bit of a flashback yeah and then i mean how it ends we'll talk about it i think we'll just say there was a twist about her character but we'll talk about it when we come to the end of the review about the end 
Um, and then that twist, I was like, okay, I'm so bought into this character. Like I loved her already. Mm-hmm. Apart from me to keep getting annoyed by her running around in cosplay, I've got to be honest. Like I was a bit like, <laughs> I did think, no, because it was a point where when they're all on the road and um, they yeah. well, obviously didn't want to get caught with, with actual comic book characters, I thought, come on man dressing as a cosplay character just take yeah just take it off this is obviously the point where you should really like try and blend in dressing as a cosplayer is not blending in like that was probably the only little bit of that i didn't like but um in terms of a least character for me actually it was the preachers uh sorry the preacher uh father low i honestly it annoys me and i've seen this so much in media where they take a christian leader or pastor and turn him into some sort of evil nut job with psychotic tendencies and it's just unnecessary and it's so been done so many times before yeah it's not an original idea it's probably one of the least original ideas in this whole concept oh i've got a good idea let's get a preacher and turn him into a psycho okay yeah. we've seen it it's been done so many times like i'm not saying i've got a brilliant idea of how we could rectify that but i just i just felt like it is something that i thought we could have taken a different angle on like you know yeah. i've seen it so much you know the christian pastor suddenly hates all these people and wants to burn them down and and thinks it's acceptable to kill people because no genuine pastor would ever do that like you know <laughs> they wouldn't like i you know no one that ever believes in, in but i think that's the point though right uh, like, to show how far off the path they are well, yeah, they are extremely off the path. Like, you know, you know, if you obviously the message of, of any religion is love and, and therefore, you know, obviously I'm a Christian. I know that the message is love, it, but it doesn't mean you then suddenly start trying to you you <laughs> only put that, that bracket of love around a certain yeah. group of people. But anyone outside that group, we, we are going to burn those people. Like, so, um, and that, that, I was just like, no, man, I hate this guy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hate strong word like <laughs> i i intensely dislike this character <laughs> um i don't you? like him either but i think as 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 great as some of his one-liners are i auto is probably one of my least favorites yeah uh, just because he's uh, almost just like generic you know mm, like, it was generic, yeah he's he, i understand that that's the point of the character um but as such like i just it was kind of like oh i'm i'm I don't really care. Like other than your one-liners about like the meta stuff, um, you, you really don't bring much to this story. And, and obviously we don't need to go into too much detail here, but shock favorite character guest star from a known franchise. Like the, you just was like, Oh, wow. Like who did you love showing up? Literally one tiny panel in the sixth book. But as yeah. I was flipping through, I was like, oh my God, it's Lucy from The Wicked and the Divine. Lucy is Lucifer uh, from The Wicked and the Divine. And I just got such a kick out of that because she's just kicked up like on a brick wall and she's like, oh, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> oh, the, uh, like, yes, I love it. There's so many. Oh, there was that, was it on that double page shot where Witchblade and uh, Savage Dragon are? a fight and to be honest they threw in so many characters and i i did recognize quite a few of them not all of their names i knew but for me the character i loved the most seeing show up was um hit hit girl from (laughs) kick-ass yeah and um with, with um when when you when it turns around and says um yeah i'll take it from here and then um eddie goes holy shit that's hit girl <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then and they're all like yeah holy shit like and um one of them 
was it? Oh, he goes, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> I, I, I actually love that whole thing. And she's, it, it's just one, yeah, it's actually just one page, two panels. Yeah, yeah, two panels, she's on one page. But I was like, man, I love this. And I thought, man, Donny Case knows some people. He's got yeah. a hit girl in here now. Um, but yeah, and I thought that was a really cool moment. But what did you think overall of the six issues in terms of the structure and how it was written and how it was put together? Um, as far as structure goes, to tell the, this kind of story that brings in characters from from an entire publisher's catalog, I don't think that there was another way you could have told this story. Yeah, I, mean, I just I just don't see how this could have worked another way. Um, so as far as the structure goes, it's it's fine. It's be, but again because the depth of characters is so big, it really does force you to kind of stop and pause and go back and and make sure that you have understood what is happening before you like move on to the next sort of story arc um so it took a little bit longer to get through but it didn't feel like a slog like well that's not true i think it 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 sort of drags just a, a tiny bit in the second issue but i think that's just sort of the first issue ends on on literally this like big explosive thing. And then the second issue is just kind of, okay, now we're meandering about and doing stuff and gathering up things to move on to the next area. Uh, so it just, it, it, it was not a great follow-up in terms of action. It really like killed the pace uh, of the end of the first book, but then it immediately picks up again, so. Yeah, I thought in terms of the writing, I do, I do agree there was points around two and three where I was like oh it's just quite tough to get through mm-hmm. but I think because he wanted to do so much in the first volume he yeah. had a goal of I need to introduce a load of characters right and tell and also kind of cover off a whole load of stuff that happened before we picked up issue one mm-hmm. and I also need a climax for my first volume of getting to that to that uh, dome and and what happened there um obviously we know that Beyond that, we're going to go into the second part of the story from issue seven onwards. But he had a lot to cover in six issues. Yeah. He had to create a core cast of characters. He clearly, obviously, with an event called Crossover, about a crossover, he couldn't have... Really, if he'd have had this book, a crossover without any known characters, it probably wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. It was good to pull in all these random characters from other people's... Um, you know, IP and bring them all in. And, you know, like you say, and people trusting him to do that. Well, those were so, just the people he named. There's a scene yeah. where they're in that prison and you can, I mean, you can clearly see Batman is behind bars. Wonder Woman is behind bars. Like you can see that these iconic characters are in the book, but obviously they just cannot be named yeah. and we can't see their faces, but like, you don't, you can't mistake the the silhouette of Batman. So. Mm, yeah. No, I know. Like, I know there were, like I said, there was a lot of, reference to the big two which he was very clever about um and clearly they haven't sued him yet because it's still coming out so <laughs> but also he has relationships with yeah. people so i'm assuming they're generally going to be left alone but I, I did think he he structured it as well as he could with what he wanted to do to make right. this actually it was wordy but also action-packed and fairly fast yeah but i, I think would, it has and, to be wordy like you said because you have to give you have to give everyone a fair chance, right? Mm-hmm. All of your readers, not just veteran like image readers. So <clears throat> in order to get that much information across, you have to you have to drop enough like inside information that will that you know fans will appreciate, but you also have to drop 
enough information that someone who is picking this up for the first time will still be able to follow the story and enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Not obviously not as much as a fan fan, but you know, still be able to enjoy it. So I think probably when he gets to issue seven and beyond, uh, it's going to take on a different tone because if you've got a whole volume ahead of you, I think you, you don't have to do as much exposition because now you can just get down to it and hope that people have at least read some part of the first volume before they dive into volume two. So, Oh, I wouldn't recommend going into volume two about reading volume yeah. one. Um, <laughs> But no, I thought I thought overall, I thought it was it was actually quite a humorous book as well, and and it I did definitely feel, laughed out loud several times. Oh, there were several moments, yeah, like and there, and there was and it and it felt fresh yeah. as well. I felt like so. There's a part in terms of talking about the writing and the structure. What I loved actually, there was a point in issue issue six. So if you think about it, Donnie did narrate this whole book, like, and it was it wasn't sort of in my mind consciously thinking Donnie was narrating, but there was a point where, you know, I I did think to you know, Donnie is obviously narrating, mm -hmm. but there's a point where um, the words are fading. Yeah, that was it. It's on the second page of um, yes. issue issue six. Um, and he's like, I'm in control, whatever. And it's like, and what I thought was that was quite a, almost like a fourth wall break between yeah. issue six and, and us, like yes. the actual reader. So I liked that Donnie actually did that. And then the rest of the issue it has no narration. Like yeah. the narration's completely taken away because Ellie's kind of gone off book to whatever. Right. Because once she handled the sword, then she could start, you know, she had like this sort of cosmic moment where she could see the future and the past and the present and all of these other things. And I thought that was a brilliant way to kind of direct the sixth book or to wrap up this first volume. Um, because like, as soon as it starts happening, I was like, is, is someone else going to come in or is at, well, at first I thought it was Valifax, which is the sword. I thought the sword itself was kind of taken over the story. And then eventually you realize like Ellie has now has control of this story. Yeah. But it was I like, fun yeah, to I read liked... that when he's like, what is happening? That's not how this is supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's like, and he's like, and then you can see the words fading completely. And then the rest of issue six is not narrated, which I thought, Actually, that's really cool. Like that he obviously Donny Cates is the writer and this isn't real life. <laughs> but I like the fact that he's kind of taking that twist to actually know this is real now. Like, yeah. you know, that's that kind of I, I thought that was a really cool moment. Um, and I in terms of you know the you know, the sort of structure again, the flashbacks and the and the info dumps, they were completely like I agree with you, they were completely necessary. Although it was a lot of information, yeah. If without those, though, right, it, it wouldn't would, have, it, it wouldn't have been the same. It, well, it would have been like, well, imagine suddenly Madman just showed up and you were expected to know who Madman was, and right. you probably and, and everyone's, oh my god, it's Madman, it's Madman, and you're and like, and also the Valifax the sword, and everyone's, I imagine if you got Valifax without that background, you probably wouldn't, well, you wouldn't care as much. Um, but also you'd be completely, it'd be like reading um, the first issue of Death Metal. And, um, <laughs> but, but, but at least with this, like yeah. you actually did have that info in here. Like if Death right. Metal had taken this approach where every time they introduced a new concept, they actually said, oh, hello, Mr. Reader. Um, let me just borrow your time for another page because we're just going to tell you what this, this particular thing means, which mm -hmm. Death Metal didn't do. Death, death, like, death Metal, like um, 
Well, they um, did. They, they came out with some kind of guide, but it came out three like issues after. after. Yeah, 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 it's like who cares? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, no, even if crossover had say released a guide after four four issues, you and and even if if it was a separate thing you had to pick up, like crossover the guide, mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, I don't want to pick that up. I yeah. I, I want to read the actual main book. I don't want to go and read like these one shots. <laughs> but I think that's um, that's part of what makes this so great. It's like you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. They, they they took this massive concept with a gargantuan cast of characters and they made it work in six issues without you having to go and do any research whatsoever. Although I do want to now. <laughs> uh, I want to read God Country and I'm not overly bothered about the paperbacks, but I would, wouldn't say no if it was in front of me. I don't think I'm going to go and buy it, but mm-hmm. God, God Country is something I'm keen to read. So the art, because obviously there's no comic that's complete about the art. So what did you think? I love the colors. It was so vibrant. And I thought that the way that they differentiated the comic characters from the quote unquote real world characters was that the comic characters were kind of drawn like you know, mid-century pop art style where they had like the, the polka dots in as their skin instead of like a, a flat skin tone. Oh yeah, I love the polka dot thing. Yeah, yeah, so I thought that that was a really kind of unique way to do it, especially, I, I say that because like, I think even people who don't read comics understand and recognize like pop art. So I think drawing the comic characters in that different style helps you know, non-familiar readers kind of be able to differentiate who is from reality and who is from the portal. So. Yeah, I know. I agree. I absolutely love the artwork. And I mean, yes, you can kind of, so with a superhero, you know, it's a superhero like Savage Dragon and Witchblade. They didn't do the polka dot thing, but we know those are comic book superheroes. Right, but they're However, inside the for, dome too. Yeah, they're inside the dome. So maybe it's slightly different or something inside the dome, but, but equally outside of the, uh, uh, the dome, a lot of the people you came across were superheroes, whether they had the polka dots or not, Mm -hmm. they were dressed in a way like they were dressed in some sort of costume and they didn't, it wasn't, they weren't cosplayers. They were superheroes. So the only people is that the girl, the small girl, I've forgotten her name. um, uh, Ava, the the little girl who had the fiery eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, she obviously is the first character we meet with the polka dots and they to hide her polka dots they cover her up in normal makeup mm-hmm. but anyway i i loved i i really enjoyed the art i think the colors amazing and i think there's so many great double page shots and even the way madman was drawn i thought was just so good and, yeah i think yeah, it's I great obviously... like it, they they pay so much attention to detail so even like big battle sequences are just like big battle sequences that you read in the big two books you know like i don't think that but but i think that that's that's all part of the point and i think that's what makes it work it's that when you're reading crossover you are never ever taken out of superhero like fandom so to speak or comic fandom so even even when it gets super meta um, and I think it, it's it's hard to get meta right in a book. I think it's much easier to present that concept in TV and film. I mean, just look at Deadpool. But to get the concept right in writing, I think that that takes some something special. And I think that 
that's probably my favorite aspect of the entire series so far. It's just, it's meta without being overly in your face. Like, you know, the, the worst thing you could do in writing is like you flip a page and then it's like some random dude in a dirty white t-shirt that's like, oh, hey, I'm the guy that's writing this book right now. And it's like, okay, we didn't really need that. We can, we can gather that that's what's going on. We don't need that drawn into the book. Um, I was going to say though, you know how most of the superheroes are, like you say, bright and colorful. There are some really dark scenes as well, like with the the guy, the the superhero who um, actually explodes later on. But he, when the scene where he's chained up is really mm-hmm. dark and grisly, um, yeah. where where the father, uh, the, the the preacher, Father Low, he's been beating him and he's um, in some sort of basement and drinking and it's all that's actually really dark like mm-hmm. the cut co- and the coloring is completely different it's those couple of pages completely take a different turn so yeah. i think the art was handled really well i really enjoyed the art i'm glad it was you know i'm glad that we didn't sometimes when you're reading these comics you know artists can't necessarily keep up with the the writing and you might get every fifth issue or something like that it's by a different artist mm-hmm. it's okay if it's in within a different story arc but the first six issues obviously were one story so it was it was really good that they we had the same um team for the whole six issues mm-hmm. so no I, I i really love the art big big fan of big fan of it and i think it really works and do you know what, actually i can't even can't even get away with not mentioning this the covers as well just so oh, good yeah. like issue four where it's actually ripping out the page and you see them all charging forward um i loved issue one where the comic is actually exploding in the face yeah like, and um i actually did manage to pick up a, a variant cover for issue three in which spawn is sitting behind ellie and that's actually <laughs> illustrated that's actually illustrated by mcfarlane and um, really? I, I, yeah i had to get that i had to get that cover so um but anyway, so to sort of come to an end on our review here, what did you think of the ending of of Volume 1? I had, for those of you that have watched Friends, the episode where Ross and Rachel sort of break up again after that 18-page front and back letter. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And Rachel is like, oh, by the way, <laughs> it doesn't happen to every guy and it is a big deal. And then Chandler comes out of nowhere and he's like, I knew it! So as soon as it's revealed uh, about Ellie at the end of the book, I literally stood up from my chair and screamed, I knew it. It was, it, I started to get suspicious. First of all, at the, in the very first issue when she was like, my parents are in the dome. Well, why are your parents in the dome? I mean, I know that they still had regular people in the dome mm. when everything opened, but that, that made me suspicious. And then when she put the makeup on, Ava and she was so good at, at hiding the makeup on Ava. I was like, mm, I think you're too good at that. And I think something is going on here. And sure enough, at the very end, I was like, I knew it. I knew, I knew, I knew she was a comic book character. I'll be honest, I didn't even suspect it. I didn't even think about it. Well, I just, <laughs> I, I think because she had such a good relationship with Otto and obviously she was quite embedded in the real world, mm-hmm. it just didn't, didn't occur to me. So she's obviously, is it'd be i think it's going to be interesting to find out what happened like who is ellie like is ellie a character from an existing franchise has is it from something that donnie's done or is it you know i don't know who is something coming up well well, yeah all come yeah coming up or is it the um is it another coin but creator's creation like yeah, yeah i'm i'm interested to see where Ellie comes from and um but I like the fact that obviously she comes out and says my parents aren't from Denver and has that sort of pop yeah, art. She's got art the art. polka dots. 
polka dots, short yeah. yellow hair, but also wearing an invincible t-shirt, which okay, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't <laughs> it he wasn't in it, but like that was his kind of little guest thing. And um yeah. And so yeah, I was like, oh wow. So um and there's also think- a couple of characters that they introduced that shady military guy, uh Pendleton. Mm. I really want to know what what kind of deal he has with uh you know with uh the government why he's after the preacher well the preacher's a terrible terrible guy but still why is he after the preacher why did he approach the preacher's son to kind of bring him into what's going on so there they they dropped a lot of like unique stuff that was that was new for this story that i'm definitely interested in seeing where a lot of this goes so i mean Am I going to pick up issue to issue? No, I won't because I really enjoyed reading all of this at one time. Uh, so once once volume two is done, I'm definitely picking up volume two of crossover. Yeah, I've so when I think initially I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to read the first volume, uh, and then when the when the the, the cliffhanger dropped that Ellie was actually a comic book character, I was like, oh, okay, I want to know what happened. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to come back, haven't I? So, so But also, when they get Ava, so in the middle of the dome, there's this portal that can take characters back to where they came from. And there's also something they alluded to that it could be that humans go the other way. So I am wondering whether our, you know, our preacher's son, um, Orion, is it Orion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, whether he, yeah. Uh, yeah right yeah oh right oh Ryan Ryan um whether he also will go into this portal and whether because obviously there's this sort of prophecy for him and right. I just I, I I'm wondering if there's something that leads to him and I initially I didn't suspect that she well, I, didn't, I never suspected that she was some sort of superhero so I did think to myself oh is Ellie gonna go in the portal which I is clearly what she wanted to do but got obviously got knocked out before she could get through the portal. So yeah. I imagine now she wants to get back in the dome. I'm really, yeah, for me, I'm really interested to find out what's happening, uh, what's going on. Like, I want to, I want to pick up volume two. It's not out yet. Um, obviously, uh, issue seven, it says at the back, is which I thought was quite unique. Uh, Donny Case actually handed over issue seven just as a one-off to Chip Czarski and Phil Hester. Uh, and, and Andy Parks, so I thought that was quite a unique take. And I, and actually, the front cover for for issue seven is that Chips Zazarski is still missing. <laughs> um, so it's going to be very meta that Chips Zazarski is writing a, a story right. about himself being missing, right. like, which is just crazy. Whoever gets to do that, write about yourself in a comic book. So yeah, and um, I think that's the kind of that's the kind of approach you have to take with something like this. Like you got to have fun with it. I mean, yeah. you just have to have fun with it. So I. I, I did have fun reading it. it. You know, it was a little wordy. Some some parts were a, a bit of a drag to get through. But again, they sort of corrected themselves very quickly. And overall, I really, really enjoyed Crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like you, I'd be keen to read it collected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually than... we, we covered this. I want to say it was episode 23. Yeah, read the first uh, issue. it was episode 23. We covered the first issue. And um, in that episode, we, we both had said that we wanted to find out what else happened. And I think for the most part, this definitely kept the expectations that I had set after that first issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was not disappointed, not with any of the people who died, not with the way that the story went, not with the big reveal at the end. Like it just, I, I wouldn't say that, oh my God, I loved this book. Like I'm not going to fawn over uh this book but i i mean i just really enjoyed it it's it's such a fun read 
So how would you rate the writing of this book? Uh, writing, I would give the writing a four. And the art? Art, uh, art. I'd actually give art like a four and a half. Yeah, I actually quite feel the same for once. I don't want to argue too much with you this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I'm quite happy with, with a four. I'm, I would probably would go in with a four myself, actually. And yeah, the art, actually, in honesty, I'd probably, if it, yeah, I'd go for 4.5 out of five. So I'm quite happy. I think, I think the art was actually really good. And the story, yeah. I mean, the only thing about the writing was just a little bit too much information but other than that i felt that donnie handled this really well yeah it was a really well structured book and really well written very good humor mm-hmm. and good use of controlling multiple characters so yeah i'm quite happy with a with a, with a four out of five and i'm but the main thing is i think we're both keen to see what happens next so yeah bring on, surprisingly bring on, <laughs> bring on volume bring on volume two all right so on our next episode We'll be starting the first of our regular conversations and speaking to the one and only Rockin' Robbie Billups of the Pop Culture Philosophers YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our ninth Late to the Party Book Club episode was Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. That episode dropped mid-August. And our next book club is going to be the first two volumes of Why the Last Man. You can follow us on social media everywhere geeks and niche is on instagram facebook and twitter so please give us a like a comment a share a follow a, a like whatever you yeah. know and then so, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast google podbean apple spotify we are everywhere so be sure to give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends thank you for listening good journey good journey